when you are so wounded in a place so dark that you never think there will be light again, turn to Romans 8, 26, 27, 28, and understand what it says. Don't minimize it. Don't marginalize the truth of it. Grasp and hold on to the truth of it. And it is this, that the Holy Spirit Himself is praying for you. Welcome to First and Foremost, a weekly broadcast of First Presbyterian Church in the heart of downtown Greenville. Senior Pastor Richard Gibbons invites you to join us as we study God's Word together and discover what is first and foremost in our lives. Our scripture reading today is, of course, the passage we were ending our prayer with, and so we're turning to Romans 8 and reading together the section 28 through 39. And you'll find it on page 1757 of the Church Bible, page 1757, Romans 8. I had initially uh, hoped to study with you this morning those 10 verses, but when I settled down to prepare yesterday, I didn't get much further than Romans 8, 28. Uh, so please forgive me if we simply read 28 and 29 this morning, and that's where our focus will be. The Apostle Paul, in what is the high watermark of Pauline theology, writes spectacularly in Romans chapter 8 these words. And we know, and we know that in all things God, and we know that in all things God works, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be comforted to the likeness, excuse me, to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those He predestined, He called. And those He called, He justified. And those He justified, He also glorified. Amen. And we trust that God will bless to us this reading from His holy word. Before I begin this morning, I wonder if you'll be kind enough to give me 30 seconds to make a personal comment and simply to say thank you for all the cards and emails and notes that you sent over the last few weeks when I was off seriously ill. Uh, as many of you know, over the last couple of weeks, I've been coming into the church office for a couple of hours each day and getting stronger as the days go by. Uh, there wasn't a single day when I didn't think about you and pray for you, and especially on Sunday mornings at this hour. So thank you for all of the concern expressed. It is indeed good to be back. Now, last January, as most of you will be aware, we started a new series of studies in the New Testament book of Romans. And we stopped at chapter 8. And today, we will pick up from chapter 8 and work our way through the next several chapters of Romans. In your bulletin this morning, you will have received an insert card, and we've been doing this the last couple of Januaries, and you will find it's entitled, of course, Romans on one side, and it will give you a date in the passages of Scripture that we're intending to look at on those dates. And it also works as a Bible reading plan. If you don't follow a daily Bible reading plan, let me encourage you to take your bookmark 
pop it into your Bible, and each day as you're trying to get five or ten minutes to quietly pray and read the Scriptures, please follow us uh, as we work our way through Romans. Now, if you're watching by television this morning, uh, and you would like one of these book cards, please contact us at the email address that will come up at the end of the program, and we'll be glad to send this to you, and that way you can follow on. On the reverse, you will find there is a section there for your New Year's resolutions. And of course, we're a little late getting into uh, several days, of course, of past in January. Uh, but if you do want to use that to spiritually be thinking, Father, where are you calling me in this new year? All the months still ahead in 2015, what are my spiritual priorities as I seek to grow in my faith? And we thought that would be worth putting there, combined with Romans, and would be a helpful reminder as we continue our studies. And of course, whenever we come to a new series of studies, there's always a sense of excitement. There's an appetite and a desire. And we come with great expectation, saying, Father, what do you have to teach me in these early weeks and months of a new year? Give me, please, a passion for you. Allow me, please, in these, still in these early days to be focused on you and you alone. Father, capture my heart these days. Hold me close. Give me an appetite and a hunger and thirst for you in order that in my daily living I may be, I may be more Christ-like. And that's what we're hoping to achieve. We don't gather on a Sunday morning simply to open up the Scriptures and read them and fill our heads with knowledge, but we believe that knowledge then does what? It informs us. It impacts our lives. It has an influence on us. And I think most of us would say, who have been walking the Christian road for a number of years, that whenever you take the time to study the Scriptures each day, isn't it amazing how that passage of Scripture you've been studying has relevance for your life right at that moment? And that's what we're hoping as we work our way through Romans. You'll also discover, of course, that in studying Romans with us Sunday by Sunday, that it will equip you for whatever comes in the new year. It will help you to live with the contingencies of life the days when things go well and God is blessing you and you are so thankful for His presence and His leading and His guiding, Scriptures will speak to you then. It will also speak to you in the days when you are grieving and hurt and uncertain and fearful. Again, you'll find that they speak to you there. It is a remarkable book. Some Sunday mornings, as we begin our studies, you will find it intimidating. On other occasions, you will scratch your head, a little confused, and say, now, what does that exactly mean? There will be other occasions when you want to leap from your seat, because at that point, you will understand a fresh insight into the purposes and plans of God and the glory of the gospel. That's what Romans does. That's how it impacts our lives. And as we come to Romans 8, Allow me, please, to say what I said last March when we finished. That as you make your journey through the book of Romans, it is not an easy journey. We took three months for eight chapters, and it was a long journey. And as you come to Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8 is described as a plateau. 
And a plateau, of course, if you are a mountain climber or enjoy hiking, the plateau, of course, is where you're aiming to stop for lunch. It's that place you've been keeping your eye on as you've been moving forward all day, and you come to the plateau. Whew, sit down, take off your jacket, pull out your sandwiches and some water. If you're a real climber, you will know to take your boots off and let your toes breathe for a minute or two. And when you reach a plateau, it's a place to pause, take breath, look where you have come from, and then look to see where you are going. That is Romans chapter 8. The first seven chapters of Romans are not an easy read. They cause us to focus and to focus clearly and plainly on some difficult concepts. Last year, when we were working our way through Romans, you will remember that we spent some Sundays looking square in the face what human depravity meant. And that was not a comfortable experience, to see sin in all of its horror and for us as Christian folks, it was quite simply distasteful. But the wonder of Romans is this, and you will allow me please to say it again and again over subsequent Sundays, that Romans causes us to do two things, to underestimate the power, significance, and magnitude of our own sin. And as Christian people, we often do the other. We underestimate the power and magnificence of God's grace. So when we're tempted to focus on sin too much, remember that the grace of God lies at the heart of all we find in Romans. And so this morning we come to 8.28, and Paul begins, and we no. Look at it again. And at the risk of being pedantic, look at it again. And we know. The original language there is strong. Here is a solid foundation. And we know. It's not, well, we guess, or we wish, or some days, or maybe, and we know with great confidence the apostle pens those words, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him. Now, what does this mean? For some of you who are theologically minded, you will be there already. And you will be saying, Richard, this is a passage on the providence of God. And others will be saying, well, okay, Richard, just unpack for us. Explain to us, please, in warm, accessible terms, what is providence? Well, let me, let me give you a theologian's answer, and then we'll try to apply it. The providence of God means this, that God and God alone 
upholds, directs, and governs all things from the greatest to the least by His free, immutable counsel of His own infallible will. Let me say it again. God upholds, directs, and governs all things from the greatest to the least by the free, immutable counsel of His own infallible will. Some of you are saying, okay, I got that. I think I understand it, but explain it. Tease it out for me. Allow me to take something home this morning that I can hold on to in the week ahead. What, in essence, it means is this. There is nothing about you that God does not know. Nothing. He knows you infinitely, thoroughly, exhaustively. Now, let me pause for a second and try and illustrate. Take a look at the person sitting to your left. Just take two or three seconds, look at the person sitting to your left. Look at their hair, their eye color. You may know them and know them well. If you know them and know them well, try the person on your right. Stare at them for three or four seconds. And I have the delight of looking at the choir this morning. And choir, incidentally, I had forgotten how good you actually are. And during the offering this morning, that touched me deeply. The Lord is my shepherd. I have missed you over the last few weeks, so thank you for that. Now, you may know the person sitting next to you. It could be your husband, your wife, parent, child, grandchild. person on your left you may never have known or met before. Now, as you look at the person you have never met before, answer me this simple, straightforward, clear question. What was going on in their mind when you looked at them? Probably a little uncomfortable, I would think. So, let me ask another. What was going on in the deepest recesses of their soul? What was going on? Were you able to tell? Do you know their every motivation and their every desire? Do you know who their elementary teacher was? Do you know the name of their parents and their grandparents? Do you know the name of their dog or the street they were brought up in? Do you know who they first dated? Do you know who they married? And if you've never met them before, the answer is no. And I'm laying all of this out there to make the point that there is nothing about you that God does not know already. No one can come to him and say, incidentally, did you know they said this and thought that? And he will say, I know. There's no skeletons in the cupboard as far as God is concerned. He knows you infinitely, exhaustively, thoroughly. And please take this home with you this morning. Please hear it. And he who knows you best loves you 
the most. Loves you the most. He who knows you best, every thought, every motivation, every desire, loves you the most. And we know that in all things God works for the good. Now, you may be saying, Richard, I agree in principle, and I know this is one of, gosh, one of the best known and one of the most favoritist of all New Testament passages. It's a verse that, as Brian indicated earlier, that we often are memorized as children and brought up to believe. I suspect most of us will have it underlined in our Bibles. But there are days when it doesn't feel as if it's true. There are days when it doesn't feel as if it is true. And in all things, God works for the good. Now, some of you are getting a little cross with me this morning and saying, Richard, hold on. I understand the passage, but help me, help me with this. Are you really saying that when I lost my 11-year-old child, that was simply for the good? Really? Are you telling me that when my son or daughter took their own life, that was for the good? Are you telling me that when I was diagnosed with cancer last October and I've been struggling with it ever since and about to go through chemo and all of that, you're telling me that's for the good? Really? No. That's not what the Scripture says either. What it says is this, that when you find yourself in a place so dark that you don't even know what to pray, that God promises unconditionally to be there with you and to walk with you and comfort you and to love you. And ultimately, He will bring good out of all of our circumstances. That's what Paul is saying. That's what Paul is saying. Look at it again. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Called according to His purpose. Now, before we go further, let me ask you please to do something very practical and personal this morning. And allow me to probe a little deeper, if I may. If you have a pen or a pencil in your jacket or in your handbag, you're going to need it in about 30 seconds. So if you've got something to write with, it's probably going to be good if you've got it handy. While you're looking for something to write with, let me tell you why I'm asking you to do this and why I'm trying to encourage you. As I look out this morning, I'm just like the person sitting next to you. I have no idea all that you are facing. I don't. 
I don't know if in the business world you lost a contract recently and it was absolutely devastating. I don't know if someone in your family is struggling with a terminal illness. I don't know if you've been struggling with someone you're engaged to and it doesn't look as if it's going well, or there's tension in your marriage, or possibly unemployment next month, or some months to come. I simply don't know. But I do know this, that on any given Sunday morning, there will be folks here gathered for worship, and their hearts are breaking. They're wrestling with issues that you've told no one about, and they're simply not even sure what to do about it or even how to pray. And what I would want you to do is this. Take your pen or your pencil and go to the margin of Romans 8.28 and write in there what you're struggling with this morning and then put the date. You don't have to put in great detail because we're a nosy lot and some of us will be leaning over to see what you're writing. But uncertainty fear, anxiety. Jot it down in the margin, and then put today. Put today's date. When we come to the end of this series of studies in Romans at the end of March, we're going to come back and look at this passage again. And I'm hoping during January and February and March, you will have a little perspective on what you're going through at the moment. I'm hoping you'll look back and see the faithfulness of God in the midst of it all. I'm also hoping and trusting that in the midst of it all, God will have worked in your heart and soul. And you may have found yourself in a place so dark, so full of fear and anxiety that you are saying, Father, I don't even know how to begin to pray. Never mind, pour out my heart and soul, and it seems as though I'm never going to get over this. And if you have been there, please notice the two verses that come immediately before verse 28. Verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express, and He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Now, this week, here is the challenge read those verses as well as verse 28, 26 and 27, and understand exactly what it says. Now, when you are not sure what to say, when you are so wounded in a place so dark that you never think there will be light again, turn to Romans 8, 26, 27, 28, and understand what it says. Don't minimize it. Don't marginalize the truth of it. Grasp and hold on to the truth of it. And it is this, that the Holy Spirit Himself is praying for you. I think an amen belongs in there. Wouldn't you agree? 
when you are lonely, when you are fearful, when you do not know what's coming and are frightened, the Holy Spirit is praying for you. And that's why Paul can say, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those He loves and have been called according to His purpose. Now, let me close with this, and we'll wrap things up this morning. How do you begin to move forward after a time of uncertainty and fear and hurt and anger and disappointment and all that we have been through, both as a congregation and individually? How do you move forward? You have a choice the choice is this, that that type of pain is often associated with the grief process of losing someone or something you loved, and it leaves you tender and painful and sore, and you're not quite sure what to do next. Well, let me suggest the first step, and it's this. Where will your focus lie over the next few months? Will it look forward to where God is taking us? Will we be focused as we spend our Sunday mornings in Romans? Will we be focused about becoming and being rather than where we have been? Are you ready? to begin even just that small step. And it's hard because I'm right there with you. It's tough. But are you ready to take that step from grief to grace? And we do it by spending time in the pages of His Word and allowing Him to comfort us and to heal us and to renew us and to refresh us and to allow us to spend time in His presence, in the sure and certain knowledge of this. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who have been called according to His purpose. And those He predestined, He called. And those He called, He justified and those He justified, He glorified. And so here we are this morning, God's frozen chosen, predestined by Him, loved by Him since before the foundation of the world. And may He take His Word this morning and apply it as a reviving and soothing and comforting oil to our hearts and minds. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank You for Your amazing love and care and concern for each one of us. Father, we know there are times in our lives when You write in characters too grand for our short sight to understand. We catch but broken strokes and try to fathom all the mystery of withered hopes, of death, 
of life, of endless war, the useless strife. But there, with larger, clearer sight, we shall see your way is right. Father, bless us this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To receive a copy of the Roman series guide mentioned by Dr. Gibbons, please send your request by email to contact us at firstpressgreenville.org. Are you interested in membership at First Presbyterian or do you just want to learn more about our church and denomination? Join us for our next First Look class on Sunday mornings. Register with Chuck Emery at 672-1753 or see Emery at firstpressgreenville.org.